1: People are going to look at everything
0: you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcast. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History Title! games with five seconds remaining! Is there anything you don't gamble? On? Uh, not really. God, So easily affected. not your problem. You're just an idiot.
1: And we welcome you in to Full Slate a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at undercover Greg. Joined as always by our producer and co-host Alex Uplinger. Follow him on Twitter at alex underscore up7 and find him managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. As we record on a Thanksgiving Eve, you listen on Black Friday. It's NFL Week Twelve as we're into the home stretch in the National Football League. Uh, pretty good Week Eleven for me, Alex. Good to have you aboard. How you doing?
2: Greg, I'm doing great. Got college basketball on the TV, which I'm really excited for, so doing well. Week 11 treat you pretty well as well? Yeah, it was pretty good. I had one parlay that pretty much brought me all the way I back. I saw that, so, the dog money line parlay. Yeah. Nice little lob. Throw, throw a couple of darts like that. Cowboys, Texans, Titans all the way out, right? That, that Cowboys one was a sweat, but it got there in the end.
1: It was a sweat, but I will say they had the lead most of the way. You had to have been feeling pretty good earlier on in that one.
2: Uh, I was feeling great at half, and then every time they went down, I thought there's absolutely no chance they'd come back, and they kept did. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like, does it ever piss you off when
1: you take a dog with the points and they win outright, and you didn't sprinkle, or are you just happy to cash a ticket?
2: Uh, I'm always happy to cash, but there's definitely a little part of you that thinks, you know, I I thought they definitely could win outright. But, like, when you're taking Cowboys like you did on the max play plus seven, got to just feel comfortable the whole way knowing you don't have to win the game. So I think right, that's it, 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 and that's I mean. the
1: thing I was wrestling with. Like, I took Cowboys as a max play plus seven, and I actually took them on the first half money line and the only thing that I was, and, and I still got almost 2-1 to one on that, so I was still happy about it. The only reason I didn't take them on the full game was because I was a little worried about just some vintage Cowboys weird stuff happening and maybe they choked the game away that they shouldn't have lost and it didn't work out that way and they ended up winning. Um, so, to, you know, like, I don't, it doesn't bother me a ton, but there are instances when, it does kind of loom in the back of your mind and you just didn't necessarily have the guts to get there with the full game money line.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something you think about, but I can't blame you for going full game on the Cowboys. And then the other one, like the
1: Titans, I didn't even like bat an eye at that winning outright because I think we talked about how it just felt kind of weird. Like they were getting close to seven and like I know they had lost to Indy – the week prior, but Baltimore really hadn't shown much to be seven-point favorites. And so it was almost one of those spots where, like, I took the points and cashed, but it kind of did feel a little trappy right from the onset. So that wasn't one where I was going into it thinking, oh, like, I definitely need to sprinkle the Titans' money line, even though I wasn't shocked that they won. I think we've talked plenty of times before on this podcast about how – you can have those kind of square dogs where it just looks too good to be true. And part of me thought that was the Titans and that's why I didn't sprinkle.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. That definitely felt too good to be true. I think that was probably one of the biggest public dogs aside from the Packers and the Packers were only getting one point. So everyone's just playing them to win out. Right. But yeah, the Titans were definitely getting a lot of love, which Makes you kind of nervous when you see every single person taking the Titans with the points. It right. makes you a little weary to take the money line, thinking that they'll win outright.
1: So let's get into it as we record on a Thanksgiving Eve. You listen to this on Black Friday, Alex. Before we get into the Week Twelve rotation, I got to ask you: What's on your plate tomorrow for Turkey Day? What's uh, your favorite sides? What are you looking at?
2: <laughs> Easily, the favorite side is stuffing and mashed potatoes and, okay. and gravy on everything. 100% uh, agree there. I don't need any cranberry. You can keep that off my no table cranberry. completely. Wow. I love the cranberry. Uh, yeah? Okay.
1: Well, That's my you third can. thing. The stuffing's my favorite side <laughs> and obviously the turkey. Dark or white meat?
2: Uh, both. I'm I'm fine with either. I, I think uh, turkey's a little overrated. It's kind of average, but on Thanksgiving it tastes so much better. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. I think stuffing is a easy one seed on on the Thanksgiving sides yeah (laughs) I'm a bracket and any any variation of stuffing I'm fine with any of it just put some gravy on there and I'm good to go now I've always been a two plates guy or you know glom
1: up on dinner and not save any room for the pumpkin pie or whatever dessert how do you handle that
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm savory over sweet in almost any situation, so I'll definitely go maybe a plate earlier on and then a late-night plate, depending if I'm drinking a little too much. I might be too full. But
0: <laughs> I usually
2: can get there come, come late night, like 10 p.m. plate, you know, that little extra before bed.
1: <laughs> so there you have it, a uh, little Thanksgiving flavor for us here on Full Slate again. By the time you listen to this, Thanksgiving has been put in the rear view, but we hope everybody enjoyed their holiday and enjoys the holiday weekend. Black Friday shopping, Alex? You, uh, I guess, it's a little different in this COVID world we live in, but uh, you ever been a been a big Black Friday guy?
0: Uh, no,
2: absolutely yeah, not. Right. Like, people I'm get usually, up at, like
1: 3 <laughs> in the morning. Like, I know. The morning. And then,
2: even like last year before all this shit, it it extended to, like, Thursday night, and people are lining up at, like, 10 p.m. Thursday night going out. Nah, no, it's just not for me. There's always there's always something to bet on Friday afternoon I'd rather be watching than, than doing and, that. And,
1: hey, there's Cyber Monday now, right? I mean, we can all take advantage of the online stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's where I'd get most of my shopping done anyways. No.
1: So let's get into it. Week 12 in the National Football League. As you listen to this, two games already in the books as the Detroit Lions took on the Houston Texans on Turkey Day, and then the Washington football team traveled to Dallas. Let's start with rotation number 251, the Las Vegas Raiders traveling east to take on the Atlanta Falcons. We're seeing Vegas being installed as three point chalk, a total in this game of 54. And, you know, I'll just start by talking about the Raiders. I thought a really impressive game from them on Sunday Night Football, even though they didn't win it. I got to leave that game as a Raider fan feeling pretty confident. I split with the Chiefs. The loss went right down to the wire. And, you know, I'm not saying the Raiders are a Super Bowl contender necessarily, but I think there's a lot of good things going for them there in Vegas in their first season there in Sin City. And,. John Gruden continues to put Derek Carr in good positions to succeed. That Raider offense seems to be clicking. And I think, you know, translating it to this game, you know, I think that the Raiders would be the side here if I were to play the game because we definitely saw an Atlanta team come back down to earth out of the bye week. The offense just did not look nearly the same against New Orleans 24-9, to Uh, You know, they weren't able to get a whole lot going. Having said all of that, uh, I think the stronger play here, if you're interested, and I may get there come Sunday, is to go over the total of 54 because we're seeing a Raider team that just seems to be a stone-cold over team. It's a secondary that's young with corners, Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett, you know, new to the fold for the most part, young guys, and Jonathan Abram is a safety that hasn't played a ton of NFL snaps having gotten hurt in his rookie year. So you would think there's an air, you know, the the veterans, you know, namely Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley by no means a veteran, but you would think that the the Atlanta offense is able to move the ball down the field. And as I said, that Vegas offense has been pretty successful, uh, whether it be over in the ground game or, you know, Nelson Aguilar had a nice game last week. Not the big names for them on the outside, but Derek Carr has been getting the ball to them and having a good year under center. Nothing official for me, but I think over the total makes a lot of sense. Alex, where are you at here in this first game in the rotation between the Raiders and Falcons?
2: I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do not want to step in front of this Raiders team. I don't know <laughs> if I've ever said that before. but right. They look great. Yeah, I'm I'm going to probably get there on the total. Um, the Raiders, they average 28.6 points per game, and they allow 27.6 points per game. And if you throw out that Cleveland game, that one with the awful weather that ended 16-7 to 7 with the high winds, if you get rid of that game, they score 30 points per game, and they allow 30 points per game exactly. So – This is a team that can score easily, and they also give up a ton of points as well, like we've seen. And the Falcons, they're solid on offense. They average 25.2 points per game. They have enough weapons to put up some points here, and I don't like them on the side necessarily, but I think this could be a close game and a high-scoring game. I would go over the total here as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the same. I mean... I think I try and stay away from those short road favorites because it just feels so trappy. And I think example a of this is new England last week. They come off that victory against Baltimore two weeks ago. And immediately we're seeing this public support again for new England laying the short number at Houston and they lose like that's kind of the feeling I have. And obviously the Raiders have had some more success, although they did lose to the Patriots in convincing fashion earlier in the season. The point I'm trying to make here is we see the most recent data point, New England being a primetime game two weeks ago, the Raiders being a primetime game last week, and we think, oh, now I only have to give two and a half, three points to back that team. Uh, it just feels trappy, so I don't have much on the side. Alex, I don't know how doesn't you feel it, about those yeah, two does
2: on the road. Yeah, yeah, doesn't it feel like they're just. The bookmakers are just begging you to take the Raiders here. I feel That's like the sharp saying. side is the Falcons at home, plus three. Like, why, why isn't this number more like five? We just saw the Raiders go toe-to-toe with Especially well, the Especially in the COVID team era team. of
1: no home field.
2: Right. Well, we've seen road teams winning at a high margin. Yeah, doesn't it just feel like they they want us to take the Raiders? This feels like it should be more like minus five. Especially right. with how good the Raiders have been how playing good they play and how bad the Falcons right. just played. Yeah, I, I completely agree. This feels like such a trap. And with that being said, maybe just plug your nose and take the Falcons with the points.
1: If you had a play on the side, I'd agree. But I think going over the total, as we said, makes more sense in this first game in the Week 12 rotation. Let's move on and go to Southwest Ohio where we have the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the New York Giants. Giants laying six on the road, a total of 43 in this game, and obviously the story for Cincinnati is going to be the first game without Joe Burrow in 2020, as Burrow suffered a pretty gruesome knee injury. Hopefully, he'll be back on the football field to start the 2021 season, Uh, and that's why we're seeing the Giants of all teams being installed as six-point road chalk, a total in this game of 43. You know, and Alex, obviously, I don't want anything to do with Cincinnati with the undermanned Bengals. No Joe Mixon, no Joe Burrow, potentially no Geo Bernard, who, as we record on a Wednesday night, I can tell you he missed practice on Wednesday with a, with a concussion. So for a Cincinnati team that we know does not defend that well and now is down some weapons, namely its quarterback on offense, I certainly don't want any piece of the Bengals. At the same time, not running to back the Giants here as six-point chalk. We are seeing a lot of love, it seems like, for the Giants just nationally. And it seems like they're getting a lot of hype as a team that could steal this division now, the lowly NFC East that it is, because they did beat the Eagles before their bye week. And the Giants' defense, that is one thing I'll say, by the way. The Giants' defense, of all of the things in the NFC, offenses and defenses in the division, the Giants' defense has been the, mo- the one unit that I feel like has been consistently good, and they've kind of overachieved there. And we saw them all on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago really do a pretty nice job against Tom Brady and his weapons, and they had a chance to win that game. So for that reason, I think that it makes sense obviously, to see the Giants laying this kind of a number. But at the same point, it's an offense that then you have to trust is going to score enough points to cover. I don't want any piece of the Giants laying the big number. I do think under the total could make some sense. Maybe a Bengals team total under makes even more sense. But uh, I'm probably going to stay away here. I I think uh, you're with me, uh, though, as far as the Giants. You think that uh, you're going to get there with
2: them? Yeah, I took the Giants early in the week, minus five. five. I'd Pratt plays up to minus six and a half. Like you were saying, their defense has been surprisingly solid. So this is more so a play on their defense than trusting their offense. And this is a play against Brandon Allen making his fourth career start. Right. Um, he made three starts last year on the Broncos, and he was sacked nine times in those games. The Bengals give up the second most sacks in the NFL. They've given up 36. They're right behind the Eagles with 40. And the Giants, they stopped the run well. And looks like Joe Bernard, I can't imagine he plays if he's still in concussion protocol on a Wednesday. I don't know how he's going to get there. And if he doesn't play, then it's Samaje Pirine as the third back. So you're going with your third back and your second quarterback. Giants, they're ranked sixth in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. They only give up 100 yards per game. So I think the Giants can definitely stop their running game, and then you're leaning on Brandon Allen to, to beat you through the air. I like those odds. It's a big if. Can Daniel Jones not turn the ball over? We've seen him not be successful with that through the season, but if he can hold on to the ball, they definitely have enough weapons. I think they can definitely win this game by double digits.
1: Yeah, I I think the one thing that I'm a little slow to get there with with the Giants is just now all of a sudden we're trusting them as close to touchdown chalk. Like it is still a three and seven team and so um, you know, I, I think for that reason I'm gonna to wanna to see them prove it to me first in this spot, but I, I definitely lean that way on the side. Like I said, I don't really want any part of Cincinnati here. Let's move on and go to Minneapolis where the Vikings coming off of that tough loss against the Dallas Cowboys are a home favorite of three and a half against the Carolina Panthers. Total of this game of 51. And hey, it's the Teddy Bridgewater revenge game. As Teddy heads back to Minnesota for his first start against the Vikings since that gruesome knee injury. Um, you know, I, I, I will be honest. I was kind of interested in Carolina just off that angle alone. you think this is going to be a pretty nice spot for Teddy uh, if he does return, which it seems like the markets are expecting him to when we're seeing this number around a field goal uh, in Minnesota. But the one thing that's holding me off here is it's a Carolina team that is playing for its 12th straight week. Carolina and Tampa Bay, the two teams in the NFL that have yet to have their bye weeks, I do think there could be a little bit of a war of attrition that the Panthers lose here. Not running to back Minnesota here because the Vikings have been very Jekyll and Hyde. You think about them early in the season. Green Bay in Minnesota kicked the snot out of them, and then they lose an ugly game against Indy, and they start 0-2, and and they really stayed behind five hundred ever since, and then they started to make a run, and right when it looked like they were starting to make a push for a wild card berth. Then they lose that game last week against Dallas. So it's not a Vikings team I want to trust, but it's a Packers, excuse me, it's a Panthers team that I think is probably a little bit tired and just ready to get to its bye week. So I don't want them either. 51 on the total. Obviously, we've seen Minnesota be hit or miss with its secondary a lot of young dbs there so maybe a good spot for robbie anderson and dj moore having said that it is a higher total and we've seen the minnesota defense at times uh look serviceable i mean they went into lambeau field about a month ago and held their own there so i don't really have much on this game side or total
2: how about you alex Feels like a good buy low spot on the Vikings. We saw them lose last week against the Cowboys, but the Panthers—they have one of the worst run defenses. They're ranked 25th in Football Outsiders DVOA. Sure, and obviously the Vikings have one of the strongest rush offenses. Dalvin Cook second in the league in rushing yards. So I'm more so thinking, yeah, like you're saying, no bye week. I think the Panthers could be tired traveling, and I think that Dalvin Cook could run all over them. The Vikings' defense—they've improved like we thought they would throughout the season with all the new names. Their secondary can definitely still be exploited, but they only gave up 203 yards to Dalton last week. They mainly lost due to those two turnovers—the Cook and Cousins fumble. So the secondary didn't play poorly against what's a pretty strong Cowboys passing attack. Sure. So I think they could get there. I think they could limit Bridgewater, who did practice in full today. So looks like he's set to start. No McCaffrey. So Mike Davis, he's been serviceable in the backup role. Uh, I just think that the Vikings can control the game on the ground, and this feels a little too low of a number to back Carolina. So I think I'll ultimately get there with the Vikings.
0: Yeah,
1: no real disagreement for me with, on that one with the purple people leaders. Let's move forward and go to the state of Indiana where we have the Colts hosting the Tennessee Titans in a pivotal AFC South matchup. Tennessee, number 261 in the rotation, traveling to Indianapolis uh, to take on the Colts. We're seeing Indy be about a field goal favorite in this spot. Frank Reich has been very successful. In his time as Indianapolis head coach in the short favorite role. Total of 52 in this one. And uh, we saw Frank Reich and his Colts cover and win outright as short favorites last week against Green Bay. Having said all of that, I grabbed the hook with Tennessee. And I like the Titans here for a play. Plus the three and a half. Uh I saw earlier this – earlier today, excuse me, DeForest Bauchner went on the COVID list for the Indianapolis Colts. I think that – we'll monitor that injury as things move forward, but I think that's definitely something to watch because Indianapolis has been so good defensively, and they did a nice job of limiting Derrick Henry. At least in the first half, Tennessee knew that a couple weeks ago and was throwing the ball – on early downs a little bit more, and so they were actually having success there were the Titans early on in the game, and then things really unraveled in the second half, and Tennessee ends up winning the game 34-17. to 17. So having said all of this, it's also just a numbers play for me. I think we can all agree this is two pretty even teams here in Tennessee and Indianapolis, and especially getting that hook at three and a half. I think the line is just a little off because three would be a line you would expect with normal home field. And obviously in the COVID world, we have kind of artificial home fields. I know the Colts are allowing fans in, but I don't think home field is worth the standard three. So when I got this at three and a half, it just felt like it made sense given that the number was a little long and we've been seeing money come in on Tennessee. I believe this opened four and a half, five, I mentioned Buckner going on the COVID list. Titans should get Derrick Henry going. And as I said, they had some success in the first half of that game, throwing the ball at Tannehill. I think this is a nice spot for the Titans to avenge that loss a couple weeks ago against Indy. Probably going to win the game outright. Really happy I got the three and a half, though. I like the Tennessee side in this battle of the AFC South. Alex, where you at here?
2: So, I'm definitely leaning in the Titans as well. My biggest worry, though, is just how much people are loving the Titans as well. Sure. This is going to be easily the biggest public dog of the week. I'm looking at action right now. They're getting 72% of the bets and 85% wow. of the money. So that's always worrisome when you see such a public dog. But this is the indie defense that's so great, and rightfully so. They've been praised, but. Last week, they got shred in the first half. The Packers were really moving the ball with ease. Um, If it wasn't for those four turnovers, the Packers easily win that game. You
1: know, Alex, I'm glad you mentioned that because not only did they struggle turning the ball over to Green Bay, but we talked about this and we were a little butthurt as Titans backers a couple weeks ago. The Colts in that Thursday night game get the benefit of some special teams luck. And so what I'm saying here is, If Tennessee can get out early, like, have we seen Phillip Rivers? There was one game against Cincinnati where he was able to lead them back. But I just feel like that's the game script against the Colts. Make Phillip Rivers have to throw it a lot. And we really haven't seen him on a regular basis be able to lead his teams back. You know what I mean?
2: I completely agree. I, I have zero confidence in Rivers. Also, he's a little shaken up right now. We saw him. Limping right. around in the second half of that game. I think he's technically questionable. Obviously, he's going to play, but 38 year old quarterback, little gimpy ankle injury. He's already not mobile at all. So, right. <laughs> Packers can get a little pressure on him. They'll have him rattled. Or Titans. Sorry. Still thinking about last week. Yeah, the Titans get some pressure here, and they're not going to give up. 14 points via special teams again they cut that punter they sent him back to FedEx I don't know (laughs) I don't know who's punting now but it has to be better than that guy was Um, so I would definitely lean the Titans here as well I think they could be a live dog again this week I really just don't trust that Colts offense and that defense that really propels them we saw them just get shredded last week so the Titans I think have enough weapons to get up early and ride this out without any blunders like we saw in that Thursday night game. Let's go from
1: Indianapolis to Western New York where we have the Los Angeles Chargers number 263 in the rotation. Traveling to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. We're seeing Buffalo laying five and a half in this game, a total of 52 and a half. And I'll just get started by saying that's where I want to go in this game between the Chargers and Bills. I like the game over the total, 52-and-a-half, uh, 53-and-a-half even. I think it makes sense because we're seeing Austin Eckler likely return to action for the Chargers in the backfield, which I think is a key addition for them offensively. Obviously, they've been relying a lot on Justin Herbert's arm, and rightfully so, he looks like the offensive rookie of the year. Having said that, I think Eckler's return, he practiced on Wednesday, so provided that he does come back, uh, provides that adds more balance to this Chargers offense, and he is somebody that can be obviously very involved out of the backfield in the passing game. And then from the Buffalo standpoint, not only has Justin Herbert been slinging the ball all over the field for the Chargers, but we know that's the M.O. for Josh Allen, right? And uh, I think my concern, maybe long-term for Buffalo, is that and, and maybe we'll see this coming out of a buy that they've renewed their commitment to the ground game a little more because we saw in the month of October there against the Jets, they were able to win the game very unconvincingly and against the chiefs where they lost Josh Allen, when he didn't look the same, they weren't able to support him with that ground game to kind of weather the storm and still put up 20, 25, even 30 points. And so I think that Bill's offense needs to add that, run game dimension to at least be respectable more and maybe they focused a little more on that in their bye week how do they get their ground game going a little more offensive line should be a little healthier they had some problems injury wise there and so I think when you consider the fact that you have Buffalo coming out of a bye week as I said I expect them to be improved running the ball and you get Eckler back for the Chargers Then you throw in the fact that you have two quarterbacks that are just known to kind of sling the ball around the field and won't hesitate to take risks. All of that lends me towards the over, and I think going over in western New York, it sounds like the weather in Buffalo is going to cooperate too, which is always something you have to look at at this time of year in that area of the country. But right now we're seeing a high of 50 degrees, uh, and it looks like things are going to be pretty clear On Sunday in Buffalo, all of that makes me like over the total between Buffalo and the L.A. Chargers. Alex, how about you in this one?
2: I don't have a strong opinion on much in this game. I do like your breakdown here. I I think this could be a shootout. I really like both quarterbacks, and both defenses aren't great. This does lend well to the over. I was initially looking at the side. Five-and-a-half feels a little high for a Chargers team that sure. keeps games close. But if the Bills off a of bye week, I think they're significantly the better team. So it kind of makes me hesitant to play the Chargers with the points. They just can't really close anyone out despite keeping games close. I think the Bills could be a, a good play here, but I'd feel more comfortable going the over with you.
1: Good to know, as we have a little bit of agreement there in western New York. Let's go to the eastern part of the state where we have the New York Jets hosting the Miami Dolphins in a divisional affair. We're seeing Miami being installed as six-and-a-half-point road chalk, total in this game of 44. And, hey, we've started to see the Jets cover some point spreads. I mentioned that game against the Bills. Divisional home dogs have been pretty profitable this year, as we saw uh, back six weeks ago, or whenever it was, between Buffalo and the New York Jets, and now we have the Jets again as close to touchdown home dogs against the Dolphins. And Alex, I think the question here is obviously at 44, not very high of a total. So I'll be honest: when I first saw this total, I thought maybe going over again would make some sense because we did see the Jets with Sam, or excuse me, with Joe Flacco last week really be able to move the ball for a second week in a row back on the Monday night game a few weeks back against New England. They were able to have a decent showing offensively as well. But I think I'm going to stay away just entirely from this game with it looks like Sam Darnold returning for the Jets. And I think that kind of gives me pause and makes it more of a wait-and-see approach. And then for Miami, same thing, right? They were a team that the statistical profile was not good. They were getting outgained losing box scores and winning games because they were scoring on defense, scoring on special teams, and that caught up to them, and they didn't look that great last week against Denver. And now they're six-and-a-half-point road favorites. Not something I'm running to back either. I won't have anything here.
2: No, I can't get there either. I'm a little intrigued in the Jets at home. Like you are saying, the divisional matchup, that's usually a good place to take the home dog especially if Darnold's playing, but I ultimately can't get there. I had a feeling the Dolphins would come back to the median a little. They were getting very lucky with defensive touchdowns and great special team play. So we saw that come to an end last week and that their offense really couldn't move the ball against a Denver defense that is pretty solid, but by no means they're not top of league defensively. Yeah, ultimately I can't really get there. I'd be a little more confident with Darnold over Flacco, despite how well he looked in that Patriots game that we took. Um, ultimately, I'm going to pass, but I would I would probably lean the Jets in a divisional matchup. That feels a little high for a home divisional game.
1: Yeah, I, I'd probably agree there. It's more of a play against Miami than anything else. I just think that, uh, you know, all, all of a sudden here, let's talk about this for a second. Now we have a rookie quarterback in Tua. Thrust it into a you know battle for a playoff spot. Like, how's he going to handle that? You know, I think that's an interesting variable.
2: <laughs> not only a battle for a playoff spot, but a battle for his job. His head coach has zero confidence in him.
1: Right. He puts
2: so in the is the that back team of you want to bet. give a
1: touchdown with
2: no, exactly he put he puts in the back of bed with the game on the line. He he's not confident in you to win a game like that. <laughs> so, do you expect them to go on the road? And I mean. Tua doesn't even know if he gets a full game right now. Yeah, that doesn't seem <laughs> ideal.
1: No, I'm with you for sure. I think it's probably Jets were on the side, but more of a pass for me with, uh, as I said, the anticipated return of Sam Darnold to the lineup for Gang Green. Let's wrap things up for the first half of our podcast. We're going to take a break after this game from one divisional matchup to another in the AFC. And this game is currently off the board and it would have been played on Thursday night had it not been for some COVID stuff with the Baltimore Ravens as the Ravens travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nationally televised one o'clock game. We don't get them very often as you can catch the game on NBC. Uh, We don't have a number or a total In this game, uh, because it is off the board, as we record on a Wednesday night, having with the postponement having been made official earlier today. Having said all of that, Alex, I am very intrigued by the Baltimore side in this one, because I think Baltimore should, uh, we'll see how the week progresses, but if they can get that defensive line healthy, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolfe, Brandon Williams got put on the COVID list earlier this week, and with the extra days, whether it's Brandon Williams on defense, or J.K. Dobbins or Mark Ingram on offense. They should get some more guys back. And I speak about that defensive line for Baltimore because we have not seen, and you a Steelers guy, you know this, despite the winning, they have struggled to run the football, even against bad defenses like the Jacksonville Jaguars last week.
2: So And the Bengals the week before that. They couldn't get the ground game going there either. There you concerning go. Concerning for sure.
1: So it's definitely a concern, and obviously we know Ben Roethlisberger at his advanced age, uh, you know, can be prone to you know a hit here or a hit there. Who knows how he's going to hold up? And even if he's healthy, I look at this Baltimore defense, and the strength for them is on the back end, where they have Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, and namely Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey have been really good. And I know that this is a Steelers offense that is very dynamic through the air with Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Deontay Johnson. But if there's ever a defense that can match up with them, I think it certainly is the Ravens with those corners that I mentioned. So all of this is to say that if they're able to get healthier on the defensive line and get some more guys out there now because the game is being played on Sunday and not Thursday, that makes me gravitate more towards the Baltimore side. And then when you consider that this really is a desperation spot for the Ravens. They have been lapped by the, well, not necessarily lapped, but the Browns have gone ahead of them in the AFC North, which is certainly a concern for the Ravens and their wild card hopes. You know, I think this is really circle the wagons, get up and give our arch rival their first loss, that kind of spot for Baltimore. I want to point out the underdog has covered – the last six Ravens Steelers games and nine of the last 10. So if you're getting over a field goal, which is what I think you probably will get when this number reopens with Baltimore, I think it makes sense to take the points with the Ravens. you your vintage buy stock at the low, of, low at the lowest point in the market type opportunity with Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. Obviously they're 10 and O and they've been a good bet eight and two against the spread. But I will remind you, last point here, Baltimore outgained Pittsburgh 457-221 to 221 in the first meeting between these two teams, and they win the game outright if it's not for the turnovers. Lamar Jackson with some bad decisions. I think the Ravens are a live dog here. I think they have a chance to steal this game outright. Alex, how do you see this one?
2: Yeah, I actually completely agree with you. I was... Originally going to play the Steelers on Thursday, just in prime time, I thought, under the lights at home. That went more to the Steelers with the solid defense. And uh, with the no running backs, I was definitely on the Steelers. But if they can get those two back, I'm not really sure their status right now. I don't know if they're ruled out yet or if they're in, like, the – they need to test negative five days in a row or whatever it is. I assume that's the case. That's why they push the game back. But like you are saying, the Ravens, they dominated on offense that game, and the Steelers haven't been great against uh, the pass we've seen. Um, but the one thing is just the Ravens can't throw the ball. They're 31st in yeah. average passing yards yeah, per it's game. Terrible. So, like, if the Steelers spy Jackson and they have – Arguably the best pass rush in the NFL. So I think they can get pressure. They stop the run. Almost makes you think under B2. makes some
1: sense, right? I
2: was thinking that too. Yeah, the Steelers, they're, uh, they're first in the NFL with 17.4 points per game. And then Baltimore's third. They only allow 19.5 points per game. So I don't know how they're going to score. Last game, what did we see? Did that go over the total? I think it was. I, you well, I don't a know, eight I believe turnovers. it was 28-24 Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think that, that did go over the total, but that was also with a pick six and then, what was it, four turnovers by the Ravens? By the
1: Ravens, right.
2: I can't I can't see it going the same way. They're, they're not going to – the chances of a pick six again like that are, are pretty low. I think under the total is the best play here. Yeah, I think I would get there with under the total. I can't really get to a side here. I just – I can't trust that Baltimore passing attack at all. And I assume the Steelers are going to sell out and make Lamar Jackson beat them. And I don't know if he can at this point. Yeah,
1: that's a very fair point. Let's take a break and we'll come back and we will get to one last early window game, which at some sports books has come off the board uh, for reasons I'm not sure of, Uh, but it's new England and Arizona and then we'll talk about the late afternoon window as well as the primetime games as well. Football is coming back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off on wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all of the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, you're online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is, number, is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. That's by total visits, so it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate, a BlueWire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on gambling Twitter at undercover Greg joined by our producer and co-host Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven to follow him on Twitter. And he manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Let's wrap things up in the early window. And our sponsor book bet online has this game currently off the board as we speak on a Wednesday evening, but just by looking at a few other shops, it does appear as if the New England Patriots hosting the Arizona Cardinals, excuse me, is available. We're seeing New England as two-and-a-half-point home dogs. Total this game of fifth of, excuse me, 49 and me, forty nine and a half. And, you know, Alex, I guess you know me well enough by now. You talked about it before we hopped on. I was going to be looking at Bill Belichick as a home dog as something that was going to be hard to pass up. And sure enough, I do like New England for a play here. Getting the two and a half, I'll take that short number, because it just feels like it never happens that we see the Patriots getting points at home. And you tweeted this out that it has been quite a while, and it doesn't happen that often since 2005. Only six times, including Sunday, will the Patriots have gone off as home underdogs. And in the previous five times, they're four and one straight up in those games. And we saw this happen two weeks ago against Baltimore, seven-point home dogs, and they win the game outright. And so I think this is a very similar setup for New England, where nobody wanted New England two weeks ago against Baltimore, and then New England was that chalky road favorite public side that was getting a lot of support last week against Houston. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people on New England this week. And this is the exact spot that I want to hop back on New England. Another stat that I want to add here in addition to their success as home underdogs, the opponent, of course, is the Arizona Cardinals. And it's another running quarterback in the home dog role that the Patriots are facing after going up against Lamar Jackson. Now they welcome in Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, and here's a stat that I'll give a shout-out to uh, Teddy Severanski, uh, Teddy Covers, on Twitter. I saw on his uh, YouTube this week on one of the videos that he does. When Kyler Murray is held to less than 30 rushing yards, the Arizona Cardinals are 1-8-1 in straight up. And the reason I like that so much here is because we know that Bill Belichick always schemes up a game plan to take away what the opposing offense does best. And so I don't think, like, how many times do we see running quarterbacks, especially at Gillette Stadium, go in there and run all over the Patriots? It just doesn't happen. And then we consider the fact that Stephon Gilmore is in his second game back from injury. He should be able to limit DeAndre Hopkins. Am I really to believe that – aging Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are, you know, and and Kyler Murray's just going to sit in the pocket and hit those guys and beat the Patriots. It doesn't add up for me. All of that makes me think that the Patriots are going to win this game outright and at least have a chance to make some noise in December and sneak into the playoffs. Probably won't happen, but I do think they win this game and at least make things interesting. Give me the Patriots plus the short number at home.
2: This is going to be a classic pros versus Joe matchup. You know all the professional bettors are taking that plus money at home on Belichick. I'm looking at action right now, and it's 69% of bets and 83% of money is coming in on the Cardinals. This opened at a pick 'em, and it's bet all the way up to Cardinals minus 2.5. Wow. And like you were saying, the The Patriots haven't lost as a home underdog since 2005. That's That's just a, it's just an incredible run. It just shows you their dominance. Granted, it's a small sample size. Like you said, this is only the sixth time they've ever been home dogs since (laughs) 2005. It's just, it's hard to fathom when you put it into words. My only concern is just the, the Patriots secondary can be exposed. They're, 15th in the NFL in average passing yards allowed per game. They allowed 236.1 passing yards. And last week, they gave up 344 passing yards to Deshaun to Watson. Granted, they did contain him on the ground to only 36 yards, but this was a game with Gilmore back, and Watson did throw all over the place. Uh, yeah. They wanted the game outright as dogs. So that would be my biggest concern. I don't know if they can contain – this passing attack. But that trend you said about Murray and the rushing yards, that's, that's pretty convincing. That's not a small sample size either. So yes, I'm going to ultimately, I'm going to pass. I'm usually the biggest Cardinals backer.
1: I know you are, you
2: know, so this is, this must be a, it's a pretty big thing. If I'm going to pass on the Cardinals as small favorites, um, what so are your? Uh, let me ask you. Look. What
1: are your? I know you have Kyler. What other? Your other? What are your other MVP tickets? Do you have Wilson?
2: I do not. I didn't take Wilson. I wish I did. I. I wish I took Mahomes when he was still plus money. It looks like he's moved into the favorite role, and and now he's juiced up. I have Murray, Josh Allen, and Ben Roethlisberger. If if the Steelers go undefeated, or if they just yeah, like, you
1: might have, have some life there.
2: Right, if they go undefeated, they kind of just they got to give them the
0: trophy, right?
1: I mean, it's a quarterback award, so I would never rule that out. And you know, especially if you know Kyler misses the playoffs, or you know, maybe the, the Rams wins. Keeps the div-
2: throwing picks, but but Rams
1: win the division to and argue. not the Seahawks. You know, like maybe
2: it's it's tough not to just give it to Mahomes, right? Was that I think that was his. Was it his second interception on the season last week? And he his won. first came against the Raiders as well. So that's tough to go against. But Roethlisberger, he's, he's not putting up pedestrian numbers. They're, they're not running the ball like we've said. So he's, he's winning games on his shoulder alone, making some great passes. So if they go undefeated, I like my chances. I think I got 40-1 to one on Roethlisberger. So that's probably my best ticket right now. What's the, the price. Unless the Bills could somehow win, it, win all their games and I don't know. Well, and hey, it's season.
1: worth noting, and, and you probably already knew this as a Steeler fan, but you might have some big implications in two weeks' time. Week 14, the Steelers travel to Western New York to take on the Bills.
2: Yeah, that's a huge game. I'm really excited to watch that, actually. I I like the Bills a lot. I like what they've done this season. I like what Allen Allen's drastically improved since last year so that'll be fun to watch especially for my MVP tickets maybe Mahomes can fall off a little throw throw a couple more interceptions to help my cause
1: it does kind of feel like it's his to lose though
2: yeah absolutely i think i think he's the clear cut front runner i think he wins it cuz i just i can't imagine them dropping more than two games the rest of the year if that Well, we'll
1: have to wait and see on that. We'll get to the Chiefs in a few minutes as they are in the late window of games here on Week 12. Uh, Let's go to Mile High City where we have the Denver Broncos hosting the New Orleans Saints. We're seeing New Orleans number 267 in the rotation, laying six on the highway, a total of 43.5 in this game. Alex, obviously, is the second start for Taysom Hill. And I had the Saints last week, and I was very happy to catch that ticket against an Atlanta team that I thought was due to regress a little bit coming out of its bye week. A little hesitant here to run right back to the window, though, with New Orleans. Six on the road is a lot in any spot. Now, granted, Taysom Hill did go to BYU, which is in Utah, so maybe the altitude is a little bit of a, a lesser concern here. But... We talked before we hopped on about Denver being one of those teams where if they just get league average quarterback play, you expect them to be in the game because they have a Bradley job on defense. I know Von Miller's not there right now; he's out for the year. But it seems like all across the map: AJ Bouye, Bryce Callahan, Jonathan Simmons. The secondary has some good players. They have some good receivers for. Drew Locke to throw to in K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy, and that isn't even including Cortland Sutton now for the year. A dependable running game, we would think, with Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay. All of this is to say that the Broncos, when it all comes together, they have some talent outside of the quarterback position, but Drew Locke just seems to weigh them down enough to the point where it's hard to trust the Broncos, but it's also hard to trust the Saints here laying this kind of a number on the road uh, in the second start for Taysom Hill, 43.5, a, a bit of a low total. But I bet if Denver had it their way, they'd be pounding Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsey. And while I mentioned those receivers as kind of interesting weapons, I think Denver probably wants to ask Drew Locke to do less, and that's their best chance of winning. I don't know that I like anything here, Alex. How about you?
0: <laughs> I
2: really don't either. I'd, I would rather not watch this game at all. It's so <laughs> tough to get behind Denver. Like you were saying, I'd love their weapons on offense. If they had a competent quarterback, I feel like this is a playoff team. Right. I just don't see Locke being that guy. Turns the ball over way too many times. Yeah. He makes too many mistakes. He gets sacked. Yeah, but their defense, I feel like, can keep them within the number. But also, I don't want to bet against the Saints right now. I mean, Hill looked great.
1: And, and we Even
2: saw last it.
1: year the success they had against a number with Bridgewater in there. They just seem to devise the right game plans for their personnel.
2: They do, and I think that's why that uh, Winston isn't starting. I think Hill is a better short-term type of guy. He's been in the sure. system way longer. He's been wanting to play quarterback, so I'm sure at practice he's he's doing that as much as he gets, I mean, he looked really good throwing the ball, especially from under center with that that play action pass. And he looked really strong. And obviously, he's a threat running the ball. I just can't, I can't get behind either of these teams. Feels a bit high, but I'm not running to back Drew Locke at all.
1: So <laughs> definitely. A- game that we'll both both be staying away from let's continue to stay out west where we have the san francisco 49ers traveling south in the state of california to take on the los angeles rams a total in this game of 45 we're seeing the rams laying in six and a half at home in their brand new sofi stadium obviously the rams uh you know rightfully so laying this kind of a number because they just went to Tampa Bay on a cross-country trip and beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I'd lean that way, Alex, here. I'm just a little hesitant on the short week. Um, It is, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan with an offense that is coming out of a bye week. I would expect the 49ers to have a little bit more, you know, just to be a little more ready for what they're going to get with Nick Mullins and and to be able to cater a game plan that would be able to best shoot him and maybe give them a chance here. They've had, obviously, cluster injuries. Sounds like they're going to get some running backs back, which is a good sign for them. Um, I'm not quite sure about uh, Debo Samuel. Have you seen anything about him in this game?
2: No, I've just seen that he's questionable, but I do know that, Trent Williams is out. He's on the reserve covid list. Right. so that's a huge and loss on so the line. It online. just
1: feels like, it's a, and this is why I'd lean Rams, it just feels like it's a tough spot for the 49ers offense going up against a Rams defense that even, like, watching that game Monday night, Alex, we didn't hear Aaron Donald's name a ton, and the Rams defense was still, for the most part, keeping Tom Brady and company under wraps.
2: So yeah, that, They were strong, and... You saw they uh, switched um, Jensen from center to guard. Right. And uh, Donald, he didn't record a single statistic the entire game. I don't think he had a pressure or he had nothing. So that's that's a testament to that. The
1: defense seemed to get the job done, at least do a good enough job for the Rams And the Rams won this game because McVay and the offense and Jared Goff and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup they were able to put up 27 on a pretty good Bucs defense. All of that is to say, when it comes to this game, I think it could be, obviously, without Trent Williams, a, a long day for the San Francisco offense. Obviously, still down Kittle and Garoppolo, and we'll see about Debo. Uh, You know, the other thing here and maybe under is interesting because Andrew Whitworth is also out for the Rams and he's been such an integral piece to their offensive line. So you're down two key tackles in this game. Certainly don't expect a ton of explosive plays, but I say all that and I had a similar angle in the Monday night game between the Rams and the Bucks, which drew me to the under ended up being pretty close, but I still lost that one on Monday night. I'm going to stay away from this game, but I would lean Rams.
2: Yeah, I like that Monday night under angle as well, and it just barely got over the total. I'm looking, it looks like uh, the Niners starting defensive tackle rookie, uh, Javon Kinlaw, he's also out. He's on the COVID list. Um, Do we overrate Kyle Shanahan as a coach? Like that. That's the only thing that kind of yeah, makes maybe, me worried about the Rams.
1: They're pretty banged up. and I mean, off like the season buy. long we know about the Super Bowl loser, you know, under win total trend, which seems to be pretty profitable.
2: Yeah, that's definitely on pace to hit. I'm just thinking Shanahan out of the bye, I feel like he is a great coach to coach up a team that right. has expectations of not winning the game. I will be – putting the Rams in a teaser leg. I just I don't know. I can that's the way to prepare. use them, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll throw them in a teaser with maybe one of these underdogs or maybe a, maybe like a Falcons underdog at home or Giants. One of those players. short underdogs. Yeah, or, or Giants. Maybe Patriots at home could be a good teaser leg as well. There you go. Get them up to eight and a half, nine, depending on what the number is when it closes. I can't get there on either side. i. I don't know. I'm oddly scared of Kyle Shanahan, even though I probably shouldn't
0: be.
1: Let's go east, where we have the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're seeing Kansas City laying three and a half on the highway in this game, a total of 56. Uh, You know, and Alex, when I look at this spot for Tampa, short week, and I think there's enough of a book out on Tampa Bay now where, you know, we're seeing – the bucks offense with all these weapons not really unleashing them because brady just has been so ineffective throwing the ball downfield you know it, it's it's weird because you have these weapons but you're just not really using them to their fullest extent maybe because the quarterback is showing signs of his age and he can't get the ball downfield for those explosive plays that you would expect those receivers to make, you know. Um, so from that angle, it's, you know, I've heard a couple analogies. It's like when you buy the the expensive new car and don't take it out on the highway and just do the neighborhood driving, you know. That's kind of the way it feels with the Patri- or excuse me, the Buccaneers offense, not as explosive as we thought. And I'm not trying to, I mean, Brady's had some good games, but the bad ones have been against these better teams where he's been asked to go toe-to-toe, as we saw on Monday Night Football with Jared Goff. Uh, and, you know, he didn't need to do much against Aaron Rodgers because the Tampa Bay defense locked that game up. But both games against the Saints, he has not been able to match Drew Brees score for score. That's my concern here, and that's why i chalk in Kansas City as the three-and-a-half-point favorite. Also, I mentioned it with Carolina. The Panthers and the Bucks are the only teams that have yet to have their bye weeks. So maybe there is a little bit of attrition that builds up here and Tampa's ready to get to its bye. Not exactly the team you want to play, given those circumstances. I'm leaning Chiefs. Might get there. Uh, Haven't played it yet, though. Uh, looks like minus three and a half is where the market's at uh pretty much everywhere you look. How about you?
2: I was initially leaning the Bucks just solely on the defense and the fact that this game's gonna be played four hours before Tom Brady's bedtime, so I think he'll be <laughs> awake and ready to go. Like we've seen him in prime time and he's been terrible, especially in the second half. It's on Monday night. It's concerning. They have all the weapons in the world. to. This team should be putting up way more points than they do. Um, and the Chiefs' defense, we saw them last week. They were getting exploited by the Raiders, so it's tough. But it it's really just difficult to bet against Mahomes, really, especially after seeing that two-minute drive. I mean, they just did anything they wanted. It feels like they can score at will. If Mahomes doesn't throw that interception – at the end of the first half they definitely cover that game. I really hurt the the spread there. I don't know, I think I think you've talked me off the box. I, I feel like I <laughs> could get there with the Chiefs. It just it feels so just so chalky to take the the road favorites, especially against a better defense. The Bucks definitely have the better defense in this game. I just don't think I can bet against Patrick Mahomes right now. It's tough to get there.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the the Raiders did cover last week against Mahomes, but I hear you. Uh, they did, sure. and I
2: think we both had the Chiefs as well. That was a tough I one. I did, yeah. That
1: was one of my losers last week. Because
2: well, the Chiefs are going in to score at halftime, and then he throws that interception where the guy's wide open the inside. He oh, throws I know. it outside. And I got like, the
1: best of the number. I was playing six and a half. I think he closed seven, seven and a half.
2: Yeah, I had um, it as well at six and a half. And I feel like with that touchdown, they, they easily covered the game. They don't even need the two-minute drive there.
1: So from one Sunday night football game to another, where we have the Green Bay Packers hosting the Chicago Bears, obviously a storied rivalry will get renewed at Lambeau Field. And this game obviously has been off the board most of the week, given the uncertainty at the quarterback position for Chicago. It looks like it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky, though, uh, and we're going to see Green Bay go off as seven and a half, eight point favorites, maybe even closer to ten. Um, Alex I'll be honest I was initially looking at Green Bay coming off of the loss primetime game getting back to Lambeau in against a division rival seems like a spot where they uh, you know let out some frustrations on after those turnovers that we talked about earlier in the pod when we talked about the Indianapolis game Uh, but I I just don't know where this number is going to land could be something though come Sunday night if I'm feasting for action uh, I end up on the Packers. Um, I don't have a whole lot else here because I definitely don't want the Bears. I think that the, you know, overachieving that the stats kind of indicated has started to show itself now, and they're coming off their bye week at 5-5, five and five, and I'm not really qu- quite sure where this total ends up, and I don't know that I want a piece of it either, just knowing that if it is Trubisky, it's kind of a lot of unknown there with what they would do with their offense. It's not a complete unknown because he has made a few starts this year and he's somebody that knows the system. But I'm not quite sure where the number lands. So I might get there with the Green Bay side. But other than that, I don't have much for Sunday night football.
2: I'm going to play the Packers. I saw this line at 7.5 early in the week. I'd be curious to see what it opens again when Trubisky is essentially a name, name the starter. He's taken all the first-string reps this week. Uh, Foles has been questionable with the hit pointer, and it looked pretty bad when he was carted off the field. But I just can't trust this offense, no matter who's the quarterback. It's one of the worst rushing offenses in the league, (laughs) and that's with uh, Montgomery. He's coming back off a concussion, so he'll play this week. But it's still bad. They only average 78.2 rushing yards, which is actually last in the NFL. So if you can't run the ball, I, I really can't trust Trubisky or Foles right now with that passing attack. And I just don't know how they can keep up with the Packers. The Bears only average 19.1 points per game. That's 31st in the NFL. And then on the flip side, the Packers average 30.8 points per game. That's 30 in the NFL. They're only behind the Chiefs and the Seahawks we saw the Packers against this vaunted Colts defense. They really, really had their way with them in the first half. Put up 28 points in the first half. And then Rodgers at home, he's just a beast. I would really not want to back anyone right. against him, especially <laughs> within the division. He's 22-12 and 12 against the spread at home against divisional opponents. He really just has his way with this division. They're always the clear-cut favorite. I really would I would back the Packers. I'm curious to see what this line opens up. I think they could easily win by double digits. I'm just curious to see what this is. If this is 7.5, would, I would definitely still play it.
1: All right, 7.5, I would definitely hop on Green Bay as well. It's just going to have to see where the market reopens with the Packers. Let's wrap things up with... Monday Night Football, where we have the Philadelphia Eagles, number 276 in the rotation, hosting 275 Seattle. Uh, Eagles are four-and-a-half-point home dogs, total of 50 in this one. And obviously, as an Eagle fan, uh, there has not been a whole lot to cheer about this year, and the calls for Carson Wentz's benching only got louder off of his performance on Lake Erie last week against Cleveland. Uh, And so I think it's pretty clear that, you know, if you want a piece of the side in this one, it's Seattle or pass, but I'm kind of leaning more towards pass because if there was ever a spot for Carson Wentz to get right, it would be against the Seattle pass defense. While it has been better since the addition of Carlos Dunlap coming over from Cincinnati, I would still think that this would be a passing defense that Carson Wentz, might be able to have some success against. But at the same time, it's an Eagles offense and a quarterback that I can't trust at all, regardless of the matchup. Uh, And and so for that reason, I would absolutely lean to Seattle. Pete Carroll's teams have had success on the East Coast, winning and covering twice against the Eagles last year in the regular season and in the playoffs. So I would lean to Seattle. Uh, I just think there's part of me that just says, nothing makes sense about the NFC East and especially as an Eagles fan, you know, they even earlier in the year they were a big underdog at San Francisco and managed to win that game, managed to keep games pretty competitive against Pittsburgh and Baltimore. It just has that weird feeling to me where if they were in the game, it wouldn't shock me just because nothing makes sense, but because I'm saying that it wouldn't make sense if they're in the game, I do lean to Seattle on the side. Obviously, It should be a nice day for Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf has had two big games in Philadelphia last year against the Eagles. So, um, you know, it's a little square going with the road chalk in a primetime game, but I think it's the only way you can look here.
2: Yeah, we were saying something similar last week. Like, this is such a game. The Eagles just went outright, But then the weather came in. I think the Eagles could have won that game outright. And, normal weather circumstances but this is the game that they just went out ready for absolutely no reason
1: all those money line parlays and
2: absolutely i mean this is just the game they have no business winning which is probably why they will but i'm gonna lay the points with the seahawks four and a half that just that feels a little too low the Eagles just can't do anything on offense, and their offensive line gives Wentz no time. He's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Which
0: it's also results the best in
2: rest
1: advantage that you could get? That's not a buy for Seattle. They played on Thursday, and now they're not playing again until the following Monday.
2: Yeah, I'd like to know. Uh, I wish I looked up Russ's stats against with the with the rest on. Well, I'm sure we know he's a good bet in prime time. Pretty, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure with the extra rest, it's even better. And the Eagles just, their offense is just lackluster. Wentz, <laughs> he leads the league in interceptions. I think that probably has more to do with the offensive line being poor. And and that's the thing. It almost doesn't them.
1: matter if they're against the bad Seattle defense because if their offense can't figure it out, then what good is it?
2: Right. And – This Seattle defense actually has improved a little. Last week we saw them hold the Cardinals to 21 points, and that's one of the stronger offenses in the league as well. With the addition of Dunlap, they sacked Murray three times, and Dunlap had two of those sacks. I think that's a really big addition. He can actually rush the passer, which they haven't had the entire season.
1: Still leaning Seattle in this
2: division over the Rams, even though the Rams beat them? Uh, not as much after that that performance against the Bucks and their right. performance against the Seahawks. Their defense has really turned it on. I'm just not sold on the Rams' offense at all, mainly Goff. He just he does not look good in prime spots. Even though he had a great game, I think that was more so the coaching than it was actually Goff. I, I think what, or, uh, Mick Faye put him in. Great spots. Some right. of those passes I could have made to Woods and Cup. <laughs> Cup, had, Cup had five receptions on the first drive. Half the throws I could have made easily. But I just I can't trust this Eagles offense at all. So I'm, I'm going to back the Seahawks, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Eagles win this game outright for absolutely no reason. Yeah,
1: I'm going to look that way as well with Seattle. Maybe a better look is to just go team total over for Seattle and that uncertainty with Wentz and the offense you just stay away from and hope that Russ and company can have a good day in prime time. Alex, always fun. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy college basketball being back, and uh, let's have another good week on the NFL.
2: You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's uh, win some college basketball games. Give me some winners here.
1: There you go. Uh, My boy, Alex Uplinger, at AlexUp7 on Twitter. Managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Find me and all of my gambling picks at Undercover Greg. My name is Greg Frank. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the college basketball. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. And, of course, please play responsibly.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran.